0: So how do you create generational wealth for you and your family without feeling burnt out, overwhelmed, or sacrificing that special time with your family and friends? and how to run your business like a true CEO? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. Hi, I'm Elena Dakas, and I'm a founder and CEO of Bossy Hills. And for the last 20 years, I have been buying and selling companies. I have bought and sold over 50 companies worth over 10 billion US dollars and open the lids to hundreds of businesses to see what works from the inside. Why is it that one company has everything going for it? Celebrity status, huge following, but underneath it all the founder is trapped within its business, hating its clients, can't exit, and can't scale. And those elements over the last 20 years what successful companies had in common and what failed businesses missed to implement is what I have put into my signature framework powerhouse CEO. And those are the insights I will be sharing with you every single week.
1: Hello, I have an amazing episode for you today. An amazing guest with me today, Ellie Swift, business coach and mastermind mentor. And we're going to talk about strategy, tactics, marketing, sales. We're going to go all sorts of places. really in intention to support your growing business as you're thinking about scaling it to multiple six figures, multiple seven figures, you're in the right place. Ellie, welcome to the show. And why don't we start? I'd love you to introduce yourself to our audience.
2: Uh, Thank you so much for having me, Elena. I'm so happy to be here with you and your people. So yes, I am a business coach and mastermind mentor. I work with incredible women coaches, creatives and consultants. Uh, So I've been in business now for six or seven years, depending on what day of the week it is. I never quite know how to answer that question. Uh, But I have over that time built a business where I work primarily with people to help them scale their business model so that they can create really intentional long-term freedom within their business. So I specifically support people who are scaling to multi-six and seven figures when they're at that point where they know that them to reach that next level, they really need to look at how they can transition their business model to support that scale. Uh, And so that's really my sweet spot and area of expertise. And for me, the way that I did that was through my mastermind. So about four or five years ago now, I was where I know so many people have been, or maybe are even right now listening to this podcast, which is, you know, working one-to-one coaching, fully booked, burnt out, We've all had some version of this and got to that point where I was like, you know what, I I need to scale. I don't know what that looks like. And when I looked around me, all the models that I saw weren't really models that felt true and good for me. I knew I didn't want a big course business. I didn't want to run a low cost membership. I loved the idea of having a mastermind, but I didn't actually know if that was something that was scalable. I ended up creating a mastermind. That one mastermind turned into two, which turned into three, which turned into a seven figure business. And in that time, we've really uh, perfected this model that supports us and has now supported so many of my clients. And we also teach that through a program called the mastermind model. So I work with clients across all business models, but That, for me, is also the one that I really honed in on and that I teach a lot that's quite unique to others, too. So that's the nutshell version. Yeah, that's beautiful. And what kind of challenges do you see uh, people that come into the world
1: at that level? What are the biggest challenges they're facing?
2: So usually when people come into my world, they're they're at that point where they're like, I'm burnt out, I'm trading time for money, and I don't know how to get to that next level. So usually they're feeling a combination of, I know that I want to scale. I don't know what my business model looks like. I don't know what I need to do to leverage my offers so that I can scale them. I know that I need to generate more visibility and usually evolve their thought leadership and they don't know how to do that. And perhaps they've also run somewhat of a referral-based model. So maybe their marketing and sales skills are also a little rusty at that time. So, I find, and and I don't know if you find this as well, Elena, but I, I personally find that when people are on the precipice of that next level, it requires a massive upgrade mm. across the board. It's usually a big mindset shift, big identity shift. A lot of my clients, I think I attract these people because it was my story, but a lot of my clients get to the six or multi-six figures and go, well, this was my end goal. Now I'm here. I can see that it's actually a pretty small end goal in terms of what I now believe to be really possible. And so I know that I really need to upgrade in terms of my mindset, my strategy, and my marketing. And that's the framework I teach, mindset, strategy, and marketing through my scalable freedom method. So it's a combination of of all of those, but really the the overarching thing there is they're struggling to know how to scale and Mm. they need a plan strategy to do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's just, it just requires a step up and it yeah. does require you to think about business differently. And, you know, I always talk about one of the biggest objectives you have a CEO is to kind of retire yourself as quickly as possible. Yep. You know, totally. you need to be kind of thinking about, well, if, if I want to work, I can work, but I don't have to. If the whole business relies just on you, it's just, a, it's a really bad place to be. In fact, it's not really a business just yet. Um, Nothing wrong with it, but this is just one of those things you're going to be thinking about. How can I work less, but make more and be more effective? That is the objective of the game. <laughs>
2: Well, it's so interesting you say that because, you know, we were talking about this off air just before, and but I'm about to have my first child this year. And so I've got a three-month maternity leave period. And it's really taking my processes to a whole new level right now, because prior to having this three-month maternity leave period off, my holidays have always been, you know, two weeks here, a month here. I can log in anytime, but I've been really clear, like, I want to take these solid three months off. And it's been so exciting looking at every part of the business and seeing how we can outsource and, you know, run every part of the business without me. Um, So I'm in in my own up level around that right now.
1: Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? So tell, tell us more about the mastermind structure. How does it work? Is it because of course, all masterminds are different. In fact, you know, I think they're called the same, but actually a completely different experience. So
2: tell us more about your kind of thinking and methodology around that. So the way that I think about masterminds and, and spaces is I, I really looked at, okay, so I want to create a mastermind that is primarily going to help my clients to solve a problem. So I knew that those of my clients who were coming into my mastermind were specifically looking to scale their business. And they were looking to be in rooms with other women where they felt inspired. They felt creative. They felt really charged. And like, I'm around these other amazing humans doing this. I can do it too. So it was a combination of having this incredible... You know, support of being surrounded by brilliant humans, but also still being coached effectively and having a facilitator who had either done it before or who knew their model really well and could give them, you know, the, the skills to do that. And when I looked around and I kept seeing so many people being really disheartened by mastermind experiences, I started wondering, well, why is that? And what I found was that a lot of people are selling in masterminds where a lot of the time they're over-promising and really under-delivering because they're relying simply on the community space or you know, expecting that to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Whereas actually, in my experience, a really good mastermind is a well-oiled machine that is thought out so thoroughly from creation through to sales, through to delivery. And, you know, our retention rates on our masterminds are between 50 to 80%, which is unheard of in our industry. And I started asking myself, you know, why is this? Like, why are we getting these retention rates? And I realized it was because of the intentionality that we'd really created with building these offers that were so considered and so thoughtful in terms of being so ideal for our clients and what they needed at every stage of business that that was really the catalyst for me to then kind of take that and go you know what there's something here that I can teach to evolve the standard of our industry because ultimately you know I, I personally get very disheartened by you know negative coach chatter negative consultant chatter and and if i can support to continue to uplevel and uplift our industry in some way then that feels incredibly worthwhile for me especially knowing that i'm teaching a methodology where at the heart of it, it's all about people coming back to what is my unique selling proposition? What does my ideal client need? And how can I create a mastermind experience that is so true to them rather than looking outside of me in the macro market and just trying to emulate other masterminds that look to be doing well? So that was really the approach. And as I started that process, I then realized, well, this is incredibly scalable. It just doesn't look scalable in the way that we think of scale. So, so often we look at scale and we go, okay, I need to scale. I need to get more people. I need to increase my volume. I need to increase my awareness. But what I find, and I feel like Elena, we're probably on the same page knowing that you're a high ticket sales specialist, is that actually a lot of the time scalable business might not necessarily look like that, especially if you're working with high ticket and high-level clients, and you're looking at lifetime customer value. Mm -hmm. And so when I started assessing those things, I realized, okay, a mastermind is actually incredibly scalable. It just doesn't look scalable in the way that the online space has told us. So I feel like I answered about three questions within there, but hopefully I answered the one you asked me. No, that's
1: beautiful, (laughs) and I totally agree with you. There is a beautiful, scalable model. People somehow, I think maybe especially when they're starting, isn't it, they think, well... Surely, a twenty-dollar product, a fifty-dollar membership, will be easier to scale because it's going to be easier to sell. Well, in reality, actually it actually, takes the same amount of skills <laughs> to sell something that's a high ticket versus low ticket, and you know, just something, just because something is free or just because something seven dollars doesn't mean you don't have to have the skills. And also, in order to really f- for the product and for the results to be exciting, you really have to have the numbers. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a massive Equation. So if you don't have an audience of millions and if you're selling a $7 product or if you're not very good at ads, it certainly can't build funnels that are going to give you high returns, that's going to be a very difficult game to play. Well, actually, a mastermind mm. like that, you know, where you have a high proximity, close-knit community, really beautiful connection, lots of intimacy in the relationship, and then, therefore the results are going to get but uh, uh, is a really beautiful experience to run. So I love what you're doing.
2: Oh, thank you so much. You know, as you were speaking, it uh, it made me think of that meme that I've seen doing the rounds a few times. It's like $50,000 client. And they're like, take my money and sign the contract. It's like $500 offer. It's like, will this product support me and feed my family for the next year like the the level of expectation that we often see in lower ticket versus higher ticket you know not always but so often you know i, I find that we receive a lot more objections from lower ticket than we do high uh,
1: yeah and also the interesting thing is the level of Yeah, there's a number of things happening there. I know a few of my clients have run a kind of low ticket memberships and, you know, the type of complaints, this customer service, the support, the cancellations was just ridiculous. People were, it's just the. And what it does is just shows the level of thinking, you know, the entrepreneur that's ready to spend a lot of money because they trust themselves to get the results. They're just, their, their focuses on growth and opportunity. They're not thinking that this is a loss. They're thinking I'm investing in myself because I know I'm going to 10 X this return immediately. So there's a trust in their own ability to create results. And that's what really transpired through the price. Completely agree with that. Yeah. Amazing. And you've mentioned something about like negative chatter. Is there something that you see in the coaching consultancy space that you actually kind of stand against that you don't like that kind of just, you kind of like, Oh my word, I wish that didn't exist. It just doesn't gel with your values. What are kind of things that, yeah, you
2: stand against? Yeah. The thing I stand against when it comes to masterminds is lack of transparency around what's included. Lack of transparency around deliverables, lack of transparency around process. You know, it's always such a red flag for me if someone is marketing a mastermind and you can't find out any details about that mastermind. They're not willing to share with you, you know, anything from what's included through to call times, through to price point, through to, you know, who might be in the room. I mean, anyone can ask a question about our masterminds and I'm happy to share anything and everything um, because I really back the product. And I have found on numerous occasions that where people are blindsided, it's usually masterminds where there's a real lack of transparency around what is actually being delivered. And where I think this is coming from is not intense, intentional deception in any way, but rather just not enough time spent in the creation of the experience. And I don't know at what point people thought about masterminds differently to other offers in terms of thinking that they didn't need to spend as much time in the creation of making their product exceptional. But what I find is that, you know, when you do, you're going to get these incredible raving, you know, retention clients. Um, And if you don't, then that's where we get, you know, these, these bad yeah. names around, around masterminds in the industry. So just that transparency and creating something that is an exceptional product. Yeah. Amazing. And how are you thinking as a facilitator,
1: So, I can have this balance between on the spot coaching, having this, because I know there's the deliverables, the objectives you probably have from the yes. sessions and also allowing people to kind of coach
2: themselves. How are you thinking around the balance between the two? Ah, this is just like my favorite thing in the world and probably why I love masterminds so much. So I always set the space up at the start where it's a really uh, you know, I, I talk about it as being like a very egalitarian, very kind of democratic space where the the aim is that everyone comes in and, and has a voice and can share and that we're all really showing up as equals in the space. So the, the best possible outcome on any mastermind call is that we've got multiple people adding input, adding insights, knowing that there's so many experts in the room. Um, so I I always allow and, and create that. So I know it's never just about me and what I have to share. Um, But in addition to that, I also see my role as being coach. So I say at the start, you know, my role is facilitator. So making sure that there's an opportunity for everyone to add, share, be supported, and also as your personal coach. So I will be here, you know, adding input, sharing, coaching you, showing up. I would say that it's probably, um, I I think it's a skill set that you develop when you're good at your craft and expertise, right? To be able to really coach well, in those moments, and it's probably one of the key differences between somebody who's been coaching for a long time versus someone who's just starting out. Um, and also, I'm very comfortable in my work, and so if there was ever a time where I wanted more time to process something, if if I was making some big strategic recommendations, I would say to a client, "I'm going to sit with this one because I don't want to make a recommendation when you know this decision might impact." 500k of business or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, So I think being really comfortable in your role as coach allows you to really discern what am I willing to coach around here? What do I want to sit with? Uh, You know, where are we taking comments from the group? How can I weave all of this together in a way that feels really constructive for the person in front of me? Uh, So I talk a lot about that in the mastermind model as well, like how to really facilitate calls, what to do if people disagree. Um, and really, it's just a lot of knowing the art of,, um, I think the art of relationships, the art mm-hmm. of navigating human behavior and being able to really support different people in a room to to know that it's not about being, right and that two things can be true at the same time and and all of those expansive things so I tend to attract people that have that same open-mindedness that I do um, which is very important in a mastermind space
1: so important so important isn't it and um, what do you where do people come how do people discover you Uh, new people of course you have good retention rates your own community but when's the kind of the new discovery what's working
2: for you right now yeah so I teach the scalable freedom method as I mentioned before and so the way that almost every client has come through to me in my world is in some way through an online funnel. So I prioritize really traditional funnels. So I market with a lead magnet, I've run live webinars, I've run live challenges. That process has always been something that really supports me and I believe if you do it well almost acts as like a backbone to, to everything else. Uh, So I really recommend having a funnel set up for every single one of your offers in your business. Then in addition to that, for me, content wise, my podcast, I'm actually curious to know how you found me. I wonder if it was through the podcast. I think it might've been Uh, the podcast. I think is where uh, like I become friends with people, you know, virtual besties. It's like come into my world, come and listen to my podcast, and then we can become besties. That's very much the aim um, of the podcast. Uh, so I definitely warm people up there and I found through conversations that I've had with people they're like oh I found you through your lead magnet or I found you through your webinar and then I listened to your podcast and then I wanted to work with you um so that's something that works really well for me um that's also reinforced by Instagram and then usually for me you know I'm a big fan of sales calls personally which I know is a Uh, interesting, divisive topic on the internet uh, around the validity of sales calls. But I am such a big fan of personal relationships and having, you know, a 20 minute conversation that results in somebody working with you for 10 years, always worth it to me absolutely
1: absolutely um yeah probably important for your selection process I was going to ask how do you oh, select right. people because especially if you yeah. have a community that becomes really important um because just one kind of um, wrong acceptance bad egg. Uh, yep. one <laughs> bad egg can really ruin people's experience it really can
2: <laughs> it's so true and you know full transparency I've had that before you know I've had a uh, Uh, I'm using air quotes right now, like toxic personality and in my mastermind space. And I share that, I guess, to normalize it because it's such a big fear for people when they're running masterminds and it's worthwhile knowing I've had that experience. I've had, you know, the call where somebody says something and it creates a really interesting dynamic that you need to navigate. Like those sorts of things will absolutely happen in masterminds. And when you've got a process or a system of how to navigate it, it's it's truly kind of nothing to be afraid of. But um I oh, I'm totally blanking on your question now. Can I blame baby brain? I haven't had No, no, uh, no. no. I was just
1: want how do you mess I guess so, Yeah, how do you avoid that happening? Do you have kind of yeah. criteria? I guess this is where sales calls are helpful, yeah. right? Because then you can say, you know what, this is just, I know this is not gonna work for me. Um, or totally. sometimes it's intuitive nudge, isn't it? You just like, ugh.
2: Yeah, you know, I, so I do an application process with my higher level masterminds. So I find that works really well. So I ask qualifying questions to really clarify, is it the right space for them? And I always position it more as a, is this the right space for me to support you? with your goals for this year. And in doing so, obviously I'm also qualifying for the space as well. So for anyone that's listening that is looking at filling up masterminds or group programs and is concerned about that dynamic, I would definitely think about your qualification process. And, you know, I know one of the fears that comes up so often around this is, oh, am I going to, to lose people in that process? But an easy way to do it is just book in that first call and then send a couple of questions after the call has been locked in. So you've got that call coming up and then you ask those questions or take them through a sales process where you build a bit of the relationship first before you start deep diving. Um, So setting up a funnel where you've got that opportunity to make the connection first or, you know, in sales jargon, like capturing that lead. And then from there, you can obviously go on to to qualify or pre-qualify. Yeah, amazing, amazing. No, I think it's so
1: important, isn't it? Um, and also, I think there's the advantage of sales calls because, yes, you can pre-qualify, oh, yeah. that, but also you you know, there's, um, there's obviously, you know, and I'm sure you're not one of them. I know you're not one of those people, but I've certainly sat on sales calls and it was just a horrible experience. I think there's a yeah. model. I mean, I don't want to kind of blame it and bro marketing, but it really is. Um, there's that kind of this, there's the way that people teach to do sales is very much like you see, you're the boss in the conversation. You ask them these questions. You And it's just like, people can see through it at the end of the day. That's just Personally. human beings. And uh yeah, I mean how many calls I sat through it and it was like, guy, you just need to stop reading the script and like talk to people as humans. <laughs>
2: I completely agree. I teach a soulful sales method and it's exactly that, you know. I spend more of my sales call listening than I do talking. Um and I from the outset really preface it by speaking about, you know, this is a casual conversation. It's designed for both of us to really see a whether I can support you, b whether what I have to offer is the right fit for you and I I really treat it as that like this is a conversation to see whether we're right for one another and I I I create that outset balance of power of like, I don't know if you're the right client for me in addition to me being right for you. And I find that that approach works so, so well um, because from the outset, you're not going into it with a, I'm in the energy of having to close this person because that person's going to feel that they're going to feel, you know, A, they're going to feel incredibly powerful in that exchange. And like, that it all rests with them. Whereas actually, like if you sit with the type of business you want to create, are they the right client for you? You need to discern that. Um, and then also really working out if you can solve their problem, because if you can't solve their problem, then they should not be your client. And again, I think having that level of confidence around what you do well, and perhaps what you don't do as well is so key and really trusting that, for every client you don't take on, there is another client waiting in the wings who is even better. So obviously I, I really believe that you have to have, you have to be really intentional about your marketing so that you do attract more of the right clients. I mean, for me personally, and I'm sure for you too, Elena, I haven't been on a sales call with someone who's not an ideal client for years now. Um, but especially when you are building you may have calls where they're not the right fit for you. And it's the most powerful thing that you can do to really discern when that is and know when to move someone on versus when to take them on as a client.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I know a lot of our audience listening, they're asking themselves this question about prices, right? I think the price is something that comes up, especially when we think about mastermind. We think, especially, you're running a high level mastermind. So the question comes in, price objections, what do you do when people can afford it? You know, this whole thing about affordability and prices. So what's your thinking around it? What's
2: your kind of mindset around it? Tell us more about that. So the way I think about objections and teach objections is that objections always fall under three categories, time, money, and readiness. So I don't have enough time. I don't have the money. I'm not ready. And usually that's underpinned by an overarching, can I trust myself? Can I trust myself to invest the time? Can I trust myself to invest the money? Can I trust myself to actually go after this and commit to fully owning that I'm ready? The only other thing outside of that is if They don't trust us, which means we haven't communicated the value enough. We haven't highlighted the transformation enough. That is on us. But if it's sitting with the client, they want to do the thing, but they're just in those final stages of, can I actually get over the line with this? In my experience, it is almost always one of those three things. So when it comes to price, I always think about it as, yeah, have we communicated the value enough? if we have amazing then the conversation is really a case of going well look you know i completely see you and understand in this being an up level this being something that of course is an investment and it really needs to be to match the next level that you will obviously that will be required of you to generate you know the money that you want to create to go to the next level in your business that you want to create and so I very much allow the person in front of me to feel very seen in that and meet them there in recognizing like, I hear you in this being an investment. So the question becomes, do you trust yourself enough to invest in that? And then I will usually say something along the lines of, because what I can tell you is that from my side, I'm absolutely committed to meeting you in that up level. And these are the deliverables that I can assure you from my side, I will show up for And so it's a case of trusting yourself to to meet me there. And based on everything that you've shared, I absolutely believe that you can, what feels true for you there. And so, you know, having that really honest conversation, as you said before, that very human to human conversation is so powerful because it's like, I hear you in that. Like I hear you in price being a factor. I hear this being an investment. And it matches your next level identity. Are you willing to go there? I'm coming with you. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how you can trust from my side. Can you trust yourself? I think you can. It's on you. Let's go. Mm Absolutely absolutely love that. And
1: I love how you're thinking about deliverables. I think it's so mm-hmm. important. Probably comes, you know, shows that you have corporate strategy background Sorry, and yeah. Sorry, And I try. love that because this is just, you know, this is actually what I obsess about as well is a clear delivery because it's so powerful. You know, you see a lot of I guess that's one of the things that that I, you know, see a lot of um in the coaching space, especially less in consulting but more in coaching space where people just Um, you know, I had a few clients come into my world and they were disappointed with previous experience. when we dive deep into why was that? Because, well, I've signed up for the program because the person who was my coach, they were making, you know, 100,000 a month. And um, that was, was yeah, they might be making that for themselves, but what is the deliverable? What are you signing up for? And actually, this is how people sometimes make decisions that- you know, oh. I just want to be in the energy. Well, if just being open about that, if you just want to be in the energy of someone who is doing that, that is also kind of, that's absolutely available. And it's a perhaps the right decision, but just be eyes open that that's what you pay. You're paying for just be in an energy and a proximity to someone. You're not actually paying for deliverables that's going to be done or yeah. delivered in your business or the results that you're going to see. Of course, there's no promising of results. You're responsible for your own results always, but... Related.
2: I so agree with that. And I think that, you know, for people that say, yes, I'm willing to pay for proximity, I would, you know, like dispute anyone who says they're not also seeking out deliverables in that, you know, I I don't know about you, but I've never seen anyone who's like, yeah, I'm willing to just pay for proximity, you know? And I think this is where, as you say, it does come back to Being mindful of what you're signing up for, and then the coach's responsibility to be knowing what those deliverables are. So, I definitely think you know, with this unregulated industry of coaching, that there are areas where both parties still need to level up in terms of uh, you know what it is that we're delivering, and also what it is that we're purchasing. And I think that because it is so unregulated. We can get it wrong on either side, but ultimately the best thing we can do is be really informed. And, you know, when you're hiring someone, ask a lot of questions. I, I love when someone says to me, can I speak to someone in your mastermind? Can you share examples of people in your mastermind? You know, I, I often say at the end of a sales call, like, please don't take my word for this. Look at my testimonials, look at my case studies, speak to my clients, because that's going to help you make the best decision for you. Love it. Absolutely love it. And I know you have a masterclass coming up. So tell us more about that. I do. do. Thank you so much for asking about that. So I've got a masterclass where it's free masterclass where I'm going to take you through the three strategy secrets that no one's talking about. So I have put together three secrets that essentially have helped me create the long-term freedom in my business that I have. I'm going to talk about offer strategy. We've covered a little bit of that here today. So really talking about how you can create a scalable offer in your business, talking about CEO schedule. So how I've created a CEO schedule for myself. I find that this conversation is always so people are always so interested and delighted by it. Uh, And I'm also going to talk about uh, the marketing and sales strategy that's really essential for long-term success and something that I'm seeing in terms of how people are doing this in a a way that is really slowing them down. So I'm going to take you through all of that. Again, it's free, it's online um the best way to get access to it is just to dm me the word strategy sorry i'm at leh swift on instagram we'll leave it all in the, comments, in the
1: comments in the show comments so you'll find all the links uh, Perfect. to Perfect. that. Uh,
2: absolutely dm so, me strategy come on in there it's gonna be good
1: fun gonna be great fun and where people can find you if they want to dive deeper into your world where is the best place to connect with you
2: so obviously, if you're listening to this, you're a podcast fan. So, Scalable Freedom Show is my podcast. Would love to have you over there. That's where I share a lot, a lot of information, value, all the things. Um, and then on my Instagram as well. So, as I've mentioned before, over at leh swift. That's more of the day to day, behind the scenes, mostly business. A little bit of like growing bump, pregnancy stuff. Uh, but yeah, all the like biz and life. <laughs>
1: Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Ellie, for being with us today. I absolutely love that. I love what you're doing. And most importantly, I love your values. I love what you stand for and how you run your business with integrity. And I think it just resonates with so many women and I cannot wait for your masterclass.
2: Uh, Thank you so much, Elena. I so appreciate this conversation and all these really smart, thoughtful questions. It's been such a joy to chat with you. Thank you. Bye.